With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're going to go ahead and get started. I'm uh, trying to record this, so that's why I'm doing this little number. It's a real joy to have everybody here today um, at the uh, Construction Trailer Fellowship. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I have gotten some strange responses when I say that online, Construction Trailer Fellowship. And um, I do it for a specific reason, to get people to ask about it. What, what are you talking about? And I just tell them, well, we meet down in a little construction trailer down in Pineville, Missouri. So it used to be a construction trailer, and you put a table and chair in it. And usually what happens is it gets real quiet. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm glad to have everybody here. And uh, it's it's a great joy when people get together in fellowship. And we have um, Brother Kevin has agreed to speak to us this morning. And I'm looking forward to that. And then Brother Michael's going to speak to us this afternoon after lunch. And, you know, also, we're planning on changing. I've been talking to Kevin and I. I've been talking. We're going to change our midweek fellowship where actually Kevin is going to help us uh, minister during our midweek fellowship here on topical things. We're, we're going to run that. We're going to have a midweek talk shoe uh, that's just a, a topical subject. And we're continuing talk shoe Monday night for everybody. But I just wanted to let everybody know that. And um, Kevin has also brought to my... I hope this is okay, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin has brought to my attention some things, and I've really been thinking a lot about it since he brought this up, and I think he, he's made some really good points. I think when you're raised in an environment where um, you have wrong doctrinal training, when you come out of it, you kind of become overzealous on the other side. And I know I've had tendencies in that regard. I'm not... I don't necessarily like it, but anyway. Um, but one of the things that Kevin has pointed out is that women are not usurping authority um, if you have a designated time outside of teaching. And then Michael's had conversations with me about that. I've been a stickler, and it, primarily because of my mom. And mom, if you're listening, I'm <laughs> sure. Because my mom would usurp, usurp authority over my father in regards to biblical teaching. Okay, And so we've decided we're going to change the format with Talk Shoe. Uh, we're going to have designated times. We're going to have uh, a, a meet and greet time for everybody to talk and talk about family, whatever. Then we're going to have a specific time for teaching. 
okay, which will be for the men to teach. And then we're going to have a time for questions after the teaching. So that will give everybody a chance, men and women, boys and girls, and even two of no, <laughs> to ask questions afterwards, you know, regarding what we talked about. And I think that's a great idea because it allows the women to meet each other, to talk about each other, and that talk about each other, talk with each other, and and address questions regarding the teaching. So we're going to keep it totally separate, um, and and I think that's going to be a good format. Um, and so if anybody has any comments or thinks that that's erroneous, I stand to be corrected. If I'm in error, I I need to know about it. But I think. <clears throat> that um, separating the teaching from the, the rest of it is, is good. And I think it will bring about more um, interaction between the whole group of people. We're neither male nor female. We're neither bond nor free. We're neither black or white. We're neither rich or poor. Some of us are poor, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So anyway, but that's, that's, I wanted to give that announcement out. And we're going to have some singing, and Brother Michael and his family were kind enough to bring us some books down. And uh, Michael has been good to introduce us to a lot of hymns that we were not, we didn't even know existed. And, you know, we all get in our ruts. And in um, our traditions. We have traditions here. We sing out of the old school hymnal, and we sing out of the Psalter. And now we've been introduced to uh, uh, the Gadsby hymns, and so we sing out. Now I'm going to work on uh, seeing if I can um, get some Psalters. We have one of the soldiers that we use, and Rosette just <laughs> took and did cursive and, and cursive and wrote out all the saw, psalms in a notebooks for us three. The problem is nobody else can use it, okay? So I'm going to work on getting the soldiers that we use because we know the tunes to those psalms, so we can start singing some of those once in a while. So anyway, um, to start with, uh, I have asked Rosette. And she was able to do this. We're going to just, and the reason I picked this because it's easier to learn than something brand new because you already know the words. Can you pass this around everybody down? Just pass it around. We're going to start by singing this, the 23rd Psalm, and it's to the tune. Uh, it'll come around maybe. <laughs> I should have kept it. I should have kept it. Um, we'll sing it to the tune that is written in there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is uh, this is not verbatim. Was that, was that you can come out here, babe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. It's not verbatim to the song, but it, it's very it, it, it very close to the the tenure is is good. So uh, I'm going to have have Mark start that out. Mark, try to start it. You know, 
high enough so the people that don't have low voices like you can sing it. Okay. The Lord's my shepherd, I want. He makes me down to life in pasture free. He leadeth me the quiet waters time. My soul he doth restore and me to what doth make within the past of righteousness he his own name say. Because you know the, you know the, the what we sing it to, and you know the words better than, than I do. Uh, about the hymn four twenty four. And what do we sing that to? All hail the power. Okay, I'm gonna let you. Hosanna to our conquering King, the Prince of Darkness flies. His troops rush headlong down to hell like lightning from the skies. His troops rush headlong down to hell like lightning. From the skies, they're bound in chains of lions roar and fright the rescued sheep. But heavy bars confine their power and malice to the deep. But heavy bars confine their power. And malice to the deep. 
Hosanna to our conquering King, all hail incarnate love. Ten thousand songs and glories wait to crown thy head above. Ten thousand songs and glories wait to crown thy head above. Thy victories and thy deathless strength through the wide world shall run. And everlasting ages sing the triumphs thou hast won. And everlasting ages sing the triumphs thou hast won. How about... Uh... About uh, 1,094. 1,094. And we're just, for the sake of sermon audio, we're singing these last two have been out the Gatsby hymnal. 1,000, was it 94? Yes, sir. 1,094. 1,094. We sing this to the tune of Am I a Soldier? Okay. Ye souls redeemed by Jesus' blood, salvation's Exalt the sovereign grace of God, for such were some of you. From head to foot, defiled by sin, deep in rebellion too. This awful state mankind are in, and such were some of you. Whilst they are sinners dead to God, ye highly favored few are washed from sin by Jesus' blood, for such were some of you. As ye are chosen from the rest to grace the praises due, be sovereign love forever blessed, for such were some of you. Amen. I like that one. It's a great song. Well, let's sing uh, in this old school hymnal. Y'all might want to grab this from there. Um, 420. 420 in the old school. And Mark, <coughs> you want to read that one for us? Oh, thou in whose presence my soul takes delight, of I call my comfort by day and my song in the night, my hope, my salvation, my all. 
Where dost thou hear shepherd resort with thy sheep to feed them in pastures of love? Say, why in the valley of death should I be? Or alone in this wilderness road? Oh, why should I wander an alien from thee? Or cry in the desert for bread? Thy foes will rejoice when my sorrows they see. And smile at the tears I have shed. Restore, my dear Savior, the light of thy face. Thy soul cheering comfort in heart. And let the sweet tokens of pardoning grace bring joy to my desolate heart. He looks and thousands of angels rejoice, and myriads away for his word. He speaks and eternity filled with his voice, re-echoes the praise of the Lord. Well, I'm going to ask Brother Michael to lead us in prayer before we uh, go over to the other part of the service. Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for your mercy and your grace, for the love that you've shown to your people and the life that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your Son, who has died for our sins and has cleansed us of all those transgressions and has now made us just before God. Lord, we're so grateful that the salvation has been given to us and we rejoice in that and we look forward to the hope that we have in Christ, that one day we will be forever and eternally with you in your presence, Lord, and we look forward to that time of his coming again. Lord, we're thankful today that we're able to gather together fellowship around the word of God, fellowship around Christ Jesus. Thank you for all these brothers and sisters that are here today, and thank you for the safety that you've given Sister Louise and Brother Kevin as they travel here. And Father, Lord, we pray now that you might speak and minister to us. And we, as we meet together now, that your presence will be among us. Father, that you might speak through Kevin, that you might anoint the words that he will be saying. Father, we pray that you'll keep him from any error, but that you might give him the truth. That he might be able to speak boldly, confidently in Christ. Father, we pray that Christ will be exalted in all that is said and done here today. May you edify your brothers and sisters in Christ. May we find fellowship together today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, you know, Kevin and I were talking about how we originally met each other. And it's amazing how God brings his people together. It's been many, many years that we have been corresponding and back and forth and we all, both of us, knew uh, a fellow out of California. His name was Alfred Chomp. And you can listen to Alfred's messages. Um, and he had a lot of excellent, excellent expository preaching on the grace of God. <coughs> um, and that's kind of what brought us together and through sermon audio and a wide range of different things. And 
here we are today. We've known each other all these years, and now we physically met each other. It's amazing. <coughs> so it's it's a real honor for me to meet uh, Brother Kevin not only in person but also to have him here to to share what the good Lord has laid on his heart. So I'm just going to turn it over to Kevin and, and uh, maybe the Lord be with you. Thank you, Brother Larry. What a wonderful joy it is to be in fellowship with those of you who have seen on the Internet for a time and have listened to Brother Michael's messages. And to come here and experience this uh, is just fabulous. But we were talking last night about how the Lord uh, has cursed the earth because of sin. And as beautiful as this is, it's all going to be burned up in the fire and we'll have a new earth someday. And we're looking for that. Um, I think of what uh, John Knox said, the, the Scottish preacher that went to Geneva, Switzerland and studied under John Calvin. He came back to, Switzerland, back to uh, Scotland and said that there's no place closer to heaven than Geneva on earth. And, and, and in a sense, he, Calvin tried to establish a theocracy there, but you can't legislate morality. Man's heart must be changed, or he continues in his sin. And um, I just thank the Lord for, for the scriptures, for the Word of God. Um, what I thought I would do, I would start with a scripture that I had in mind to share. I thought I would give uh, thoughts of my own understanding of the perseverance of the saints. That's what we're going to talk about, which I'm going to speak about. Um, how I see in God's Word His preservation first and foremost otherwise we wouldn't have perseverance how could we persevere in something God has not preserved and guaranteed to be accomplished in its fullness so I, I want to share a little bit of that and then the booklets I brought I, I brought I think four different books from the chapel library are you, are you all familiar with chapel library yeah I asked them for some booklets on perseverance and they sent me those so I encourage you to read those. Um, I took some paragraphs out of those books to share with you and to give my own thoughts about. And so that's what we'll do in this time. First, I'll read a passage of Scripture. This really comforted me in the perseverance of the saints. And then um, I'll share what I've understood for the 40 years that God has wonderfully saved me. And, uh, and then I'll, then I'll read the comments that I took from the book. So first I'd like you to look, if you would, to Psalm 89. And uh, and you're, you're probably all familiar with this passage. And let's see where it starts. Um, if, if his seed... Or, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. um, Oh, 36. Is it, is it, what is it? 36, I think. Yeah, 89, 36. And talking about the seed of Christ. Um, I'm looking for the one. Uh, oh, yeah. No, not that one. <laughs> the one where it says... Um, if he should wander away, and and uh, I will meet him with a rod of correction. Okay. That's in 89. 30, 30 and 30, 32. 30, okay. 
what is that, sir? Verse 30. Verse 30, okay. Or verse 29, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's right, okay. Yeah. yeah, and this is the the seed, yeah, 29, that's, a, that's how prepared I am. 29, thank you. His seed also will I make to endure forever. This, the seed here, talking about David being the king, but it's, it's also by extension Jesus Christ, who is Lord of Lord, King of Kings. And his seed are those who have been chosen in him. And and so his seed also will I make to endure forever, just, just as Christ endures forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments. Now, his children are, are us, the believers, who are in Christ. He says, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then I will... Then will I visit their transgressions with a rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. And that passage really speaks to me that grace overcomes sin. Grace is greater than sin. And when we do grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, which we sometimes do, we, we are met, should we not confess our sins, remember in Revelation it talks about the church, I think of Thyatira, he said, I gave them space to repent, but they repented not. You see, the Lord gives us space to repent, and if we do, then we are spared the correction, because we corrected ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 11 it talks about if we judge ourselves, we need not to be judged. You see, and that's how I see that. That the Lord will uh, visit us with very, and it says the chastening of the Lord is not pleasant, it's grievous. But it's wonderful to the exercising of righteousness to those that are have experienced the chastening. And we all get it. We're not to despise the chastening of the Lord. And so, we, as we go on in our Christian life, we know those times when we haven't confessed our sin. And we know when we were chastised, and it was grievous. He really gets our attention. And I thank God for that, because I had a father that used to spank me a lot, and I just laughed at it. It, it, it was nothing. And I would just go about my business doing whatever. But when the Lord got my attention, I, I, that's it. I surrendered. I said, okay, Lord, you got my attention. Now, I'm sorry, let's see what you're going to restore to me. And hopefully, you could give me back what I had and maybe more. So, And I, I was severely chastised for sin. And, and, but it, it creates a willingness on our part to walk in holiness with the Lord when, once he gets our attention. And So he says, come, my children, I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. And he teaches us through chastisement, through instruction in his word, and little by little, we are perfecting holiness in our life. Because at first, as a child with his parents, he learns to obey because he's corrected. He's not allowed to just keep wandering off and going further and further. If the parent really loves the child, he, he steps in and corrects the child. So, and, and that's what God does with us. But the idea of God preserving, preserving his people is the first thing you want to understand in the scriptures. To really understand what is said about God's salvation plan, how he purposed to accomplish it, 
and, and the means by which he gives to his elected ones the way, the strength, the withal to carry on and overcome to the end. But first you have to see what God says about his people. And then, it, then you have to ask yourself, after that, well, how can I know if I'm one of them? How can I know if I'm one of those that God has eternally saved? How do we, how do we know that? How do we come to know that? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is given, and it bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And once you're a child of God, what does the Scripture say? You're sealed by that Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. And, and, and doesn't it say that by belief and by faith, we have passed from death into life? And, and once we are translated, I like that verse in Colossians 1, 10, is it? Yeah, it says something to the effect, uh, we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Yeah, I, I think it might be Colossians 1, 10. Uh, what is that? It's Colossians 1 something. It is 13. 13. Oh, 113. Okay. Just, you go ahead, Michael. You can read that. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Yes. See, he picked us up when we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were hopelessly lost. All we could do is sin by nature. We could never please God because, as Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So we have to be given faith. And once we have that faith, we cry out by the Holy Spirit that's given to us, Abba, Father, we have a daddy in heaven. And we no longer live in the flesh, but we live by the Spirit that's in us. It's, it's prompting us and causing us. And I love those passages in the Old Testament. He says uh, in Ezekiel 36, he, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll take out that stony heart that you were born with, a natural heart that's desperately wicked and deceitful. I'll take that out and I'll give you a new heart. And on that heart, I will write my laws. And he says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. <laughs> I just thank Jesus. Because if he doesn't cause us, if he doesn't make us, we'll never do it. We, we never, ever will agree with God. We'll fight with him the whole way. That's how bad we are. So he causes us to walk in his statutes. And in Jeremiah, it says how beautifully, I will put my fear in them and they will not depart from me. Oh, thank you, Lord. See, that's our preservation. Uh, that's his preservation and our perseverance. You see, but first we have to really get a good understanding of God's preservation of his people. So what I did is I've got a few thoughts here that I wrote down. Um, let's see. Well, I'll just, there's no particular order, but I'll, I'll share them and we can interact together and see what we think. I will make, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. If I quoted that right, because it's Jeremiah 32, 40, and, uh, that I will not turn away from them 
from doing good, I would say, to do them good. I, I, I didn't understand the wording necessarily. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. That, that was the verse of Jeremiah. So I wrote down, I said, there can be no reason in the sinfulness of the believer why the Lord should cease to do him good. See, even in our willfulness, even in our sinful, unrepentant activity as children of God, it never affects our state of being with God. We are always his children. Once he adopts us out and puts a spirit in us and we know we're his child, we've been lifted out of this world. We're no longer of it, but we're in it. Now, can we look at our life and say, that's truly happened to me? You know, I remember, I know how my life used to be, but how is it now? And that's how we can judge ourselves. Paul says, know you not your own selves, whether you be in the faith of Jesus Christ, lest you be a reprobate. You know, so, so we have to examine ourselves. And, th and then what does it say about, um, uh, the, the, that verse will come to me later. There can be no reason, okay, uh, to do him good. Oh, seeing that he foresaw all the evil that would be in us. In other words, when he adopted us in eternity past to choose to save us, he knew all about us. He knew what we would do. And we have no idea what we're going to do. You see, and people live in apprehension. Christians do. They, they're fearful of they're going to do something that's going to cross the line and God's going to give them a reprobate mind and, and that's it, it's over. <laughs> and, and you know, <laughs> when I was chastened, I thought maybe that was the time for me. <laughs> okay? But if God's truly preserving you, and, and like Peter says, First Peter 1 Peter 1.5, it says we are kept by the power of God through faith. Now, we, we might think our faith is going to fail. But what, what happened with Peter? But when he gave up and surrendered to, to the, the Satan's will to uh, deny Christ, Jesus said Satan desires to sift you like wheat, you know, just have his way with you. But I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. See, if Christ is praying for his people that their faith will not fail, it, it will not fail. And so, we have to understand, have we been adopted out of the world? Do we have a Father in Heaven that we cry, cry to? Do we live by faith or do we live by sight? And we, and we know ourselves, whether we're real or we're hypocrites or we're, or, or we're unregenerates. We should know that. You see, and the beautiful thing about it is, we can't know anybody else. <laughs> we can't. Because First John says they were of us, and then they went out, you know, to show that they were never of us in the first place. And uh, Jesus says we know them by their fruits. He, even an unsaved man can have a lot of good works. They say to Jesus in the end, in the, in the Day of Judgment, certainly you recognize us because of the great things we did. We prophesied in your name. We were very active. These were church people. These were people that believed they were Christians. And Jesus will say, you practiced iniquity. You had a false gospel, for one thing. Right? You had a false gospel. And then Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew you. My Father never gave you to me. I, I don't even recognize you. And these people are going to be shocked. These people are going to be like the man at the wedding feast who didn't have the wedding garment on. You remember it said he was speechless. 
He had nothing to say. How do you think he was dressed? Anybody have an idea? Oh, I'm sure he was in his best. That's right, in his best. That's right. He wasn't from the highway and the hedges and smelling like liquor and alcohol and drugs. No, he wasn't all wasted. He thought the way he was should be acceptable. He was presentable. And that's why he, he could he was incredulous that they would tell him to leave. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, didn't they say that didn't he say bind him, hand his foot and take him out? Yeah, 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 yeah. He just didn't say leave, he just bowed. Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. Yeah. In fact there's, there's no there's not gonna be any talking at, at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus knows his own and uh Man isn't going to be able to shuck and jive his way into the, into the kingdom. You know, there's no way you're going to try to give your works to uh, be in the place of the works of Christ. It's Christ's work for us, and that's what we hang to. That's that's what we trust. So if we're rejected, it's because Christ failed. But he, he, he can't fail. You're right. I just love it. So he foresaw all the evil that would be in us. No wandering child of God surprises his heavenly Father. He foreknew every sin. If then he entered into a covenant with us and began to bless us with all our sin before his mind, nothing new can spring up which can alter the covenant once made with all of our backslidings. Isn't that comforting? You see, the righteous fall 70 times, as the scripture says, but they always get up. And let's hope we don't fall that many times. <laughs> and if, if you've been chastened and corrected by the Lord, we don't like the chastisement. We don't like being put against the wall closer than the paint. You, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're really crippled. The Lord will take you down in ways you can't imagine. I mean, you'll lose your money. You, you'll lose your health. It, everything. It, it's, it's incredible how fast it happens. I was in a coma in the hospital in one day for three weeks. And I knew why I was there when I came out of it. When the Lord brought me back out, I said, that's it, Lord, you did it. <laughs> you did it. I'm not going to do that again. By your grace, I'm not going to do that again. And Anyway, so let's see. Um, okay. Known and taken into account. So all of our backslidings are known and taken into account. We see God didn't choose us because we are good. He chose us to make us good. It, it talks about the bad tree, right? We're, we're all born naturally a bad tree. And by necessity, we bring forth bad fruit. We have to. We can't bring forth any good fruit. Not at all. And then it says make the tree good or cut it down. Well, who makes the tree good? Then the, the word comes to me about the parable of the seed and the sower. The man with a good ground, he's the one that's saved out of those four. But he's good ground because he's made good ground. The Holy Spirit stirs it up and makes it receivable to receive the, the Word of God. And this is a regenerated heart. This is a new heart that has to be given. And if God doesn't do it, you, you're, you're never going to get it. It's, you're hopeless. This is beautiful. This is fantastic. I, for the life of me, I can't see how the Arminian can rationally have his theology when the scripture clearly denies it. 
in, in almost every one of their tenets of belief, the scripture just knocks it right down. And it, it's got to be, in my mind, it's got to be because they don't read the Bible. They have attached themselves to charismatic preachers. They, they've got their teachers. They listen to them. They like what they hear. They're tickling their ears. They say what the people want to hear. They don't want to offend them. If you teach the truth of God's word, you're going to lose half the church. And you'll end up with the ones you can fellowship with. Praise the Lord. And, and, and so what? It's better to serve God than man, right? I think, Michael, do you have a comment? Go oh, ahead. I just oh. want to comment that the yeah, reason why is because he has blinded their eyes and he has closed their ears and <laughs> that they might not see and that they might not hear amen. and that they might not be saved. So that's right. Yeah, amen. That's right. Because that's what Scripture says. That's right. Yes. So we, we, yeah. We see God didn't choose us because we are good. He chose us to make us good. What were we like when He began the good work in us? And we know the Scripture that says, "He that has begun the good work is faithful to complete it to the to the day of Jesus Christ." the, The day of the good work is not only an eternity past with the election of us. That's good, that's good too. But to us, it's our regeneration. It's our awakening that he brings about by the Holy Spirit. And the power that he gives us. Remember he told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem, and not many days hence you'll receive power from on high to be a witness of me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. <laughs> it's that power that, that comes with the Holy Spirit. And there are many today that they, they profess godliness, but they deny the power of it. And you can see it. As soon as they open their mouth, if they're either in line with the scriptures, or they're just making up uh, an imaginary gospel, an imaginary Jesus. You know, they, they have a whole structure that is not biblical. It's not biblical. And, and what we, we have to do as believers we have to not entertain for a second that Arminians are brethren, that are they are our brethren. And many churches are afraid to take that stand. Even Reformed churches, they, they will not take that stand. But in Galatians 1, it says if they have another gospel, they're cursed. What is the gospel that we believe on? The sovereign grace of God. That had he not chosen us, we would never choose him. And, and that's what Paul says. He says, we love him. Why? Because he first chose us. Right? Okay, so let's see. Um, okay. We were spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, lost in the world without hope and without God. And it is while we are in this condition, we are in our sins, that the Holy Spirit works in us to turn us from idols unto God. This is a supernatural work of God. That while we're in our sins, we're not looking for, for a way to reach God. We're not repenting of our sins. We don't have godly sorrow. We only have the sorrow of the world, which works death. That's the only sorrow that the worldling has. Because he's caught, or he loses something, or for some reason... It, it affects himself personally, and maybe he'll shed tears over it, like Esau did. Remember? Yeah. So, 
the Holy Spirit works in us to turn us from idols unto God. We are born in Adam a bad tree, and brought and we brought forth bad fruit. In regeneration, we are born in Christ a good tree, and of necessity, because of the good tree that we're made, we bring forth good fruit, 30, 60, or 100 fold. And in Ephesians 1.10, I said, we are his workmanship, and we are created unto good works, which God had prepared that we should walk in them. Is it whatever you're doing now as a believer is what God has planned and purposed from eternity that you would be doing. And and that's why we're so peculiar. We're called a peculiar people, and we really are. <laughs> you know, the, the, the world cannot understand us. That they they think we're just bothers. You know, we just. Uh, but we pray for them because God could quicken any one of them in a second, as He did us. And that's why we never lose hope. Um, love hopes all things, right? If you truly love your fellow man, you pray, and you're praying for them, and especially family members. Because you remember, uh, Isaac and Rebecca, they had Jacob and Esau. I'm sure they prayed for those two boys, but one of them was never going to get right. Never. But the parents invested time and prayer and desire that they would be, and that's, we do our job. We do our job. God entrusts our children to us to raise them in the way they should go, whether they will go that way or not, time will tell. But praise the Lord. You raise them in the path that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it, because they'll remember what they had and how much better it was for them then than what they're going through now. And it's, it's just wonderful. I have a daughter now that I hardly ever have the ability to talk with, because she feels I abandoned her, and I did. I, I had to leave when she was three years old. But now she's married, she has a child, and we email every once in a while, and it's, it's, it's nice. I'm hopeful that we can really establish a relationship. But if not, I still give her things to think about, things, to, especially with raising her son, you know. Because God tells the men of Israel to teach these things to your son and your son's sons. Why is that? You, the reason is he wants it kept in the family, that the young grandchildren would be listening attentively to the grandparents. And, and I found, that, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, but I found that uh, people that are raised by their grandparents oftentimes have a very solid and settled understanding of things. And they were taught very young to have a real wholesome, valuable lookout <coughs> for themselves in life. Yeah. And and we're losing that. The kids today, I mean, they're leaving home, you know. And the, and the kids are pretty much running the households in, in America. It, it's an it, it, incredibly sad situation. Right? And it, it's, it's only getting worse. But, but God's people are still here in the earth. And that's why it's such a joy to come into your company. It really is. Just... I thank God for it. Um, okay. Yeah, he, okay. Oh, oh, let's see. Uh, Observe when he began to do them good. They were enemies. They were rebels and under condemnation. When first the sinner feels the movement of divine love upon his heart, 
he is in no commendable state. You know, he brings nothing to the table. He has no good works. Paul says in Romans 7, I know in my flesh, that is, in my natural state, there is nothing good in me. Nothing. No faith, no repentance, nothing. Except sin. We're dead to God and we're fully alive to the devil. And we inherited that, we inherited that from the fall of Adam in the garden. We inherited it from Adam's sin. That's why it's called original sin. And we're all born with it. And that death follows right on through our life, spiritually, and it ends with a physical death at the end. Now, Jesus overcame that physical death at the end, and all those that are in Christ are also going to be the beneficiaries of what he accomplished. His acting out the righteousness of God by obeying, obeying his Father's commandments perfectly is credited to those who are in him. That is beautiful. When he did it, they did it. Even though we practically didn't do it at all. This is fantastic. This is the gospel. And then, when Christ died on the cross, and this is something the Arminian needs to hear, and when we get to speak with any of them, this is what we need to tell them. That Christ died for particular people, not everybody. Because those that he died for, he imputed his righteousness to them after he took their sin upon himself. He took their sin on himself and gave them his righteousness. They are seen by God as absolutely perfect. I love that verse in Hebrews 14.10 or 10.14. By one sacrifice, he perfected forever those that are sanctified. Those that God has separated unto himself. He perfected them. Now, if they're perfected by what Christ did, how can they ever undo, undo that? They can't. That is where we get our perseverance and our assurance at the same time. You see, our assurance of our salvation is not based on what we're going to do or not do. It's what Christ already did. He finished it. And then, when he rose to heaven, his people that are in him are also up there with him. And the scripture says in Ephesians, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are presently there. Can you think of that for a minute? We are presently there. Practically, we're not. That's why Paul says we're waiting to wit for the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies are going to be made perfect and they're going to be like Jesus Christ's body. That is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I have to say at this point, all the preaching I've done, pretty much, over the years, is to the homeless and the street people at the missions. I've gone to different missions down in Long Beach and L.A. And when I speak to them, there's hardly anybody in the audience that can correct them. Okay? I mean, they, they don't know the Bible. I met one man who was of the same mind I am, and he was among the homeless. And he was studying at a church in Compton, California, where it's all black people, pretty much. It used to be white years ago. It was called Greater Union Baptist Church. And the pastor there, I forget his name, but he was on the White Horse Inn. You, 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 Michael Horton? Mm-hmm. You, okay. He was a black pastor there. You, I, I forget his name. But he taught the sovereign grace of God. And this man knew it well. 
and he and I were together like this, you know, just studying and praying together and being in one another's company. Um, he, he's the only one that I met among the homeless who I felt was really a brother. Um, there was another man that, that had, he was very sympathetic to what I said, and he, he, he said that of all the preachers that were in there, I was the only one that really got to him. He really heard me. But he heard from the Lord. You see, it's a conviction the Holy Spirit puts on somebody by using you to, you to speak it. It's not you personally, but it's that power in the Holy Spirit that indwells you. So, so what, what I meant to say is, among you now, <laughs> there's plenty of you that can correct me. And I know anything I say can and will be used against me. And, and that's okay. That's okay. I, I welcome your comment and anything. He's recording everything. Yeah, but, and, and it's all recorded. That's, that's right. It's all on tape. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. In some cases, the man is a drunkard or a swearer or a liar or a profane person. In other cases, the man has been a persecutor of, of godly ones, like Manasseh and Saul. Or he may be the epitome of... Now, Saul there is... Uh, Paul, not King Saul. Uh, he may be the epitome of virtue, having pride in his own righteousness. You see, we're all sinners by nature. It, it doesn't matter what kind of sin. It's a transgression of God's commandment. And we all have to admit that we break it. The very first commandment is to love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, and your strength. Do we do that all the time? No. We have to admit it. If we were to be judged by the law, we'd be condemned instantly. That's why we can't have any confidence in what we do or don't do. We have to trust completely on God working in us to bring forth that good fruit that he talks about. Because we cannot do it ourselves. We can't. And, and, and if we insist that we're going to try to do this and this and this, then God's going to sit back and say, okay, go ahead, until you run up and wear yourself out, you know? So we, we have to at first realize we are weak, and Paul says, by his weakness, I'd rather have his power rest upon me. That's beautiful. That, that's really a good line there. So, Therefore, I would rather rejoice in my infirmities and my weaknesses and, and let God give me what he wants to give me. And a great assurance to the believer is that tomorrow is already planned by God. When, he, when Jesus said, care not for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought of the things of itself. God has a plan and a purpose for everything, for our tomorrows. What peace we can have, just, just being still, you know, like I said, be still on your bed and know that I am God. Just to be restful and peaceful. And all the anxieties that come at us, and we, and we get plenty of them. But what does it say? Bringing every thought into captivity to Christ. Every thought that comes at us. And, and we get them all the time. We have to say, Lord, what do you think about this? What does your word say about this? And if I entertain this long enough, what will happen to me? And like it says, if a man has a fire in his heart, he'll burn his clothes. I mean, these, these things are real. <laughs> okay? If, if you have vexation to your spirit, you're going to have rottenness to your bones. If you grieve and quench the Holy Spirit enough, you may get to heaven, but you're going to have a bad time getting there. <laughs> okay? The, the question is, 
We are made children of God. The question for us is, are we going to submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit's guiding and leading? And we learn it through chastening. If, if he chastens you, he gets your attention, and you learn to grow. And in maturity, you love the Lord. Not so much you're afraid you're going to get chastised, but you love him for all that he did for you. Because you see so clearly what he has established forever. Let me, let me see where we're going here. Um, uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, okay. If God chooses to bless us by beginning a good work in us, when there was nothing good to be seen in us, why did he turn to us when we had no desire to turn to him? Now, that's a great mystery, isn't it? We say, why me? You know? Well, the best answer we have in the scriptures is for God's good will and his purpose and pleasure. It's something he designed for his creation, which we are. We're his creation. And he chose out of all the fallen, sinful men and women of the world to lift us out of it and save us from the penalty of our sin. That is incredible. That is incredible. And the more you learn about that, the more you can rest from day-to-day activities. Because there's going, there's going to be stress. There's going to be things that you're going to try to control. And, and God says, I've already got the answer to that. And it may not be in the way you think you'd like to have the answer. That, that's another thing. Because we, we tend to dictate to God how he's going to solve a problem. And we say, well, it's going to be this way and that way and this way and no other way. And then we're surprised there's another way. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I got I to gotta tell this story because my friend and I, we went to see his mother at a convalescent home up in Northern California. And I was to deliver him to his mother. That's pretty much how it was. So, so we went, and he let me plan the trip. He let me tra- plan the trip, the times, the, tr- the train, when to get the connection and all that. Well, I made a mistake on the time that the train would leave. And uh, he, he just got, came unglued over that. He, he said, now we miss the train. Now we have to stay another night. We have to pay for the motel. He was all stressed out over it. And I said to him, look, I made the mistake. If we have to stay here another day, I'm paying for the motel. So you don't have to worry about anything. But he got so worked up over the fact that he had to stay there longer than he planned. And then I had to wonder, is this man a real Christian? Is he resting and trusting in Christ? Is he walking by faith or is he walking by sight? So so I'm, I'm praying. I'm sitting there at the table thinking, okay, we missed it. What's going to happen next? Somebody walks up and he heard our conversation. And he heard this guy getting all worked up and excited. And he said, there's another train coming through. It's an express train, but it stops at this town that's maybe 30-minute drive away. And, and I'll take you there. I'll take you there. <laughs> so, and, it, and it was going to come at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when we were supposed to get on the train at 7 or 8 in the morning that we, that we missed. So we, we got over there. He dropped us off. We waited for that express. It stopped. And I got on the train, and I had a wonderful conversation with a young high school girl that was coming back from visiting her family. And we just talked the whole, the whole trip. I talked about the Lord, about the Bible, 
I tried to steer her away from the false gospel. I told her if you can't find a church that's teaching the correct Bible, you, you stay in the Bible and pray that God will add fellowship in your life. And certainly there'll be one or two that'll come across your path. But don't stress out that you're not going to these Sunday services where there's mega churches. You know, where these people are, are just activities of the world that are in the church. You know? And young people are particularly influenced by that because they want connection. They want connections. And, you know, so, but, but that was an example of what God had prepared for us. And it was okay with me. But he got all worked up over it. And I thought, well, this is the contrast between those who are resting. And, and this was the reason God let them wander in the desert for 40 years. They would not rest. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. But they thought they were of the company of the church in the wilderness, right? It's beautiful. And these these things are all written for our example. That That's what I love about the scriptures. In the Old Testament, it's just all these characters are real people. And there's somebody like us in that book. You can be sure of that. When I read the book of Proverbs, I found myself. This the contrast between a wise man and a foolish man. <laughs> and, I, and I read it and I said, that's me, that's me, that's me, and the foolish man. But this was before I was saved. And then in the, in the Psalms, I saw the righteous and the wicked contrast. It's always a contrast in the Bible. The sheep and the goats. The five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. I said, this is incredible. And I, and I, I thought, I said, this is something that's going to hold my attention for the rest of my life. And, and that was God's grace in me to work a attention to him. Like it said of Lydia in the book of Acts, God opened her heart to give attention to the words of Paul. I was listening to Christian radio one time in 1979, and I was listening to the preachers. And these grown men were almost in tears over what they were saying. Lester Roloff, (laughs) Jay Vernon McGee, and and others. I was listening to them. Um, Dr. Uh, 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 Let's see. Uh, There was a Hill, a black man named Hill, from Mount Zion Baptist Church in L.A., I forget the name, but but I listened to these men, and I and I had never heard such talk in my life. I was raised a Roman Catholic, but I'd gotten away from it, and I was in the world totally enmeshed, enmeshed in the world. But I was bored listening to the radio, and I kept moving the dial from one side to another. You know, listening to country western music, all news all the time, gold, golden oldies, you know, or, or the or the classical music. But then I heard this preaching, and it really got my attention. I listened to it. And then I said to myself, I'm going to buy a Bible, and I'm going to read it and see what's in there. And it took me three months to read it. I started in Genesis, and I finished in Revelation. And I thought, when I finished it, I understood that this Jesus Christ claims to be Lord God Jehovah of the Old Testament. And I thought, that's that's it. The, the supreme being that I always recognized could or maybe was out there somewhere, he now has a name. His name is Jesus Christ, the supreme being. And I, I, that, that totally rocked my world. I, I knew God at that point, and I could, I could learn more about him in the book. And so I read the scriptures more and more and more. But then I asked the Lord, 
okay, where are your people? Where are the people that believe this? And I thought at the time I was the last one saved because I knew that <laughs> I knew there would be a last one. Like like it says in Second Peter three nine, he's not long he's long suffering to us, meaning the elect, that not any of them should perish, but that they should all come to repentance. There's going to be the last one, like with Noah and with with Lot. You have to ask yourself that: Could I be that one? Oh, it, it, it's awesome. So then, I I uh, I looked in the yellow pages because I wanted to get water baptized. So I looked in the yellow pages, and I saw a church named New Creation Fellowship. Uh, among all the other names of the churches, I mean, there's list after list after list. So I went to that church, and I, I listened to some somewhat of they were saying, but it didn't quite fit what I understood from the scriptures. But I got water baptized. And they asked me to give a message on a Thursday night for Bible study. And they wanted to record it. And, and then they were going to sell the tapes. And I thought, no, this message is here and now for you people. And I'm not going to let you profit off it. That's the way I felt. I was, like, like Larry said, he was really zealous. <laughs> Once he, you know, had his prior experience and then he put it with the church, he, he, he maybe went, you know, too strong, but but the first message I gave was was about the giving in the church and about how Eli sons required that the offering be brought in raw meat wrapped up so they could take it home and eat it whenever they wanted to. They were supposed to eat it in the temple at, during the service, and and then it says that men despise the offering of the Lord because of those sons in requiring the portion of the people and not eating it by the three-pronged fork, right? They were to dip a fork into a vat, and whatever came up, that was their portion. But they were not satisfied with that. So, And that was the message I gave. And then I taught that tithing, the word 10%, that is the Old Testament law of giving, and, and they, were, they were to give more than 10% in, in other ways the temple tax, and other things. But in the New Testament, it says God loves a cheerful giver, not of necessity, meaning no law requiring a portion of a certain amount, and that we give. And, and really, as believers, all that we have, we receive from our Heavenly Father. It's His, all of it. And we give as the Lord would lay on our hearts to give. Not necessarily... To an organized religious institution, but maybe someone we meet in the street. We can help and talk with them, buy them lunch, sit and have an effort to communicate with them the things of God. This is a way of our giving. We, we can give in many ways. Supporting ministries like Chapel Library, who are producing wonderful material. It's going all over the world. That's my you know, my ministry of giving. So people say, well, what church do you go to? I'm not part of an organized, you know, body of a particular denomination. It has to be Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian. To the unsaved, you have to be identifiable by their standards, by what they are expecting of you. You have to be careful. We, we are children of God, and we walk, in, like it says, 
he that is spiritual judges all things and is not judged of any man. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it, and we have to be bold to speak it. Praise the Lord. And that, that gift that God gives to some to be teachers in the church, that's to be conveyed to the others that they may be edified and strengthened that they will go out and do the same thing. Praise the Lord. To know what you believe and where you got the source of it. And this is what very few church people have. Their source is not the Bible. It's what so-and-so said. What Charles Stanley said. But, I mean, you can go on and on, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. Um, okay, there's nothing good in us to be seen. Why did he turn us to himself? That's the big question. To which the only answer is, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. You know, that, that, that's why he did it. Yeah. Another point is, uh, oh, so I said, this is just the opposite of the Arminian gospel, isn't it? The free will gospel. Whatever we may be now, we are not any longer what we were when first he revealed his love toward us. The same motive which led him to begin the work is the same which leads him to continue it till the day of Christ. See, God is not disappointed. The free will gospel has Jesus crying and waiting for you to make a decision. You're never going to make a decision for God unless he changes your heart and causes you to make the decision for Jesus. Praise the Lord. And they can't stand that. You know, there's a verse in John 6:65. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless it has been given to him by my Father in heaven. Now that verse right there is predestinarian. And then the next verse says, at this saying, many disciples left him and followed him no more. They couldn't be told that it would be God's choice of them and not their choice of God. That, that was, Jesus ended the free will idea right there. And, and yet, it's still alive. And even with the Synod of Dort, <laughs> with the tulip, it's still going, you know. The, the Arminian error is in this country big time. And it's, it's really sad to see it. It's in the seminaries. Um, these people graduate with Doctor of Divinity degrees. They, they seem to be somewhat like Simon the Sorcerer. He, he was thought to be some voice for God. That's what these people are. You know, Billy Graham, for instance. You can't find one person that would find a fault with him. And yet, we know he never preached the gospel. Never. In fact, he, he drew the people telling them that when you come forward, you're coming to Christ. No, you can't. Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father bring him. That's beautiful. Now, that takes man's will right out of it. And I, it's, it's sad that, that, that people can't see that. I, I, and and I, I thank God that when I read the Bible for the first time, I saw election in there. I, I saw that God had a people and that he would have to call them out of darkness. And, and otherwise they would stay in darkness. So when I went into the churches and started hearing free will and your decision, I knew something was wrong there. And then the Lord had somebody place the sovereignty of God by A.W. Pink in my hand. 
And then I saw the system through the, throughout the scriptures, how you can defend the sovereign grace of God in salvation. It's wonderful. That turned me on to writers and, and men of the past who had spoken wonderfully on that subject. You see? And yeah, so they like it. And it says in James, if you lack wisdom, go to God and ask for it. You know, the people say, well, you know, I've got questions. Questions I have to look. I have to listen to this pastor, or this pastor. Go to this church conference. And they're running around looking for the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. You, you don't have to go beyond Him. The disciples said, show us the Father, and it will suffice for us. In other words, they wanted to just deal with God and maybe not Jesus. And what did Jesus say to them? Have I not been with you long enough to know that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father? That would be blasphemy if it weren't the truth. And it was the truth. It's the truth. I just love it. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um... Okay. Uh, oh, he saw me ruined in the fall, yet loved me in spite of all. Isn't that beautiful? He saw me ruined in the fall, and loved me in spite of all. In Psalm 38, 8, it says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. He will perfect that which concerns me. Uh, and then, of course, by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, Philippians 3.12, it says, and I paraphrase it, I am not yet perfectly sanctified. I haven't obtained it yet. That, that is the practical perfection. I have the positional perfection, but I don't have the practical perfection, which we'll never have in this life. But we are just aspiring and strain for it and to Pray that God will act in us to correct the errors in us. Um, okay. Yeah, that was where Paul said, I have apprehended that which has apprehended me. I love that. Because he's recognizing that Christ has laid hold of him, and boy, he did, didn't he? Was Paul looking up? He had murder in his heart. He, he wanted to kill all the Christians. And he wasn't looking... For anything else. He was a good Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Judaizer. And he, he was satisfied with that. And yet, Jesus is looking down at him because he is a chosen vessel. And I love that because when you see that Paul was a chosen vessel, then you go back to Romans 9 and see where God has made vessels for glory and vessels for destruction. This is God's doing. This is the God of the Bible that we worship. We serve him. And we bless him by speaking forth what he has already told us. And no wonder, it, it impresses me beyond belief, no wonder Revelation closes by saying, if anyone adds to or takes from the prophecy of this book, the plagues of this book will be fallen, meaning the lake of fire. That's, that's the ultimate plague. That's as worse as it, it's going to get. But... Why do we not add to or take from? Because the Holy Spirit teaches and guides us into all truth. Like Paul says, we can speak nothing against the truth. If we're being taught by the Holy Spirit. This is why we can 
And it says the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ, and in Him we are complete. Complete. That means everything in our life, anything we think we have need of. And we have to be careful of that, because God will supply our needs, but not our wants. And there are a lot of things we would want to have. And, and we just say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. And thank you for what you're going to give me. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you orphans when he went up to heaven. I just love that word, orphans. Because when the parents go to adopt a child, does the child say, I want that parent? It's the parent's decision, isn't it? The parent decides for the child. That's how it is with God. We didn't choose him. He chose us. That is so beautiful. So he says, I haven't obtained it, but I'm striving to lay hold of or apprehend that I might win Christ and all he has promised his people, both in this world and the world to come, for which I am apprehended. He's recognizing that Christ apprehended or laid hold of him by Christ who has laid hold of Paul on the Damascus road. Um, okay, we love him because he first loved us. But now, after that, you have known God, or rather, are known of God. Don't you love that that, that, that correction he throws in there? He, he's saying you know God, but how how is it that you you know God? Well, first, you are rather known of God. That is so beautiful. He has known us, and that's why we know him. Um. Okay, now, now I, re- I want to read this little thing. Um, you remember in Psalm 2.8, it says, Ask of me, and I will give you the heathen for thine inheritance. You know, By the heathen and the uttermost parts of the earth are meant God's elect among the Gentiles. Where Jesus said, I have sheep of another fold I must also gather. He's talking about not only a remnant of Israel, but a remnant among the Gentiles as well. And that's spoken of in Acts 15, where he talks about those of the Gentiles whose name, uh, upon whom my name is called. I think that's how it's worded. Yeah. So God has a remnant. Um, They live in distant parts of the world. You just tell me to stop. Whenever you want me to stop, you tell me to stop. Uh, Which are Christ's other sheep. The Father has given to him as his portion, and whom he has made his care and charge, as if it was not enough that he should be king of Zion or have the government over his chosen ones among the Jews. And, and that's how we, we are to see uh, John 3.16, because that, God so loved the world. You, you can't give an interpretation to a verse of Scripture that other verses cancel out or deny you have to let the full counsel of the Word of God speak to an issue. So, what have we? What do we learn in the Scriptures about God loving the world? Well, we see in Romans nine that God has separated the world, and He clearly loves some and He hates the others. So, does that mean that God loves every human being in the world? No, it can't be. And we come to that understanding by putting scripture with scripture. This is how we understand the Bible. 
we can't take one verse and and that verse about three second uh, peter three six three nine that they leave out the us word they always say God will not have any to perish and they take the any to mean just anybody that God wants everybody to be saved they leave out the us word and the us is the ones Peter's writing to in first Peter one two he says to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God he's talking about God's children who God is not willing that any of them should perish and they all will be brought to repentance and to salvation this is, this is beautiful and and we understand that because we understand what God says in his word that, that's it it's not what we think about it and this is what the Arminian says that's not fair God has to be fair what is fair I give you two cook two cookies I give him two cookies and I work in the mission so if you give somebody two cookies and another person three cookies you're gonna have a war in that mission I'm telling you they insist that you be fair Okay, but I say where does it say God has to be fair if he hated everybody and saved one person mercy is his business to give not ours as an obligation for him to pay us that's the, the beautiful thing we have to admit what he says about us we are worthless worthless in his sight and we all deserve to go to hell immediately if we were to be judged by the law so it's his mercy to have mercy on whom he will and he hardens the others it's it's rather simple so when it says in John 3:16, God so loved the world we know it's the world of the elect that he loves it has to be and then it says whosoever believes the Arminian says well that means whosoever that, that, that's me it's, it's you it's anybody if you want to believe it whosoever believes now the question I ask myself who's made able to believe because man doesn't have faith by nature so it's those who are given the gift of faith that believe again the elect every time it's the elect so I tell people when they're reading the New Testament when you see the pronouns of we us our and you in a verse that verse is talking about the election every time like in Revelation 1 5 it says he washed away our sins in his own blood who's our it can't be everybody and, and what the churches are doing they're making accommodating language out of the scriptures they're using the scriptures and broadcasting them as God's message and his <coughs> invitation for salvation to everybody well the gospel message is an invitation but salvation itself is an application the Holy Spirit applies what Christ already purchased at the cross. The salvation that's already yours is made real to you by the Holy Spirit's revelation to you. That, that, and, and in Isaiah it says, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. They, they don't speak according to this word. So when you're talking with somebody... It says we're, we're to be ready to answer for the hope that is within, within us, to answer to every man. We have to be able to give people the scriptures like Jesus gave to Satan when he said, It is written. It is written. Remember when he was tempted in the wilderness? He always answered Satan by what the Word of God says. And that's how we have to answer people. 
We have to be able to give them chapter and verse to let them know that their dispute or their disagreement is with God's word, not, not us. We're just the messenger. We're just bringing to them what God has already said. And this is beautiful. And, and you, don't have, you don't have to get into discussions and, and arguments and, and stress out over their resistance. You just tell them, and if you feel that they're interested to hear more, then you give them more. If they're not interested, you wipe the dust off your feet and you move on. There's others out there. Okay. Now, now Satan will try to use you and detain you. And sometimes people will ask you a question, never interested in your answer. Just to wear you out so that you'll be ineffective with somebody else who you might have been of service to. We have to know who should we spend our time talking to. Because not everybody is going to take us seriously. We don't want to run in vain, right? We pray the Lord will direct our steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered in the Lord. And we pray that whatever we do, whatever we speak, be of God's movement and his unction, the anointing that we pray that God will give us. To speak his truth and who to dally with and spend time with. We pray that God will give us the wisdom to know when to move on, when to cut off a conversation. We're in charge. We, we judge all things and no man can judge us. I love that verse in Isaiah where it says, um, If any tongue rises against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn it, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. If you're, if you're speaking God's word, that's the last word on the subject. Nothing should be added to it. Nothing should be taken from it. And, and that reminds me of what I was talking about earlier about Revelation, the warning not to add to. I think of the verse in Matthew 24, 24. It says, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. <laughs> if it were possible. Well, it's not possible. Because God is going to keep us and he's going to teach us by the Holy Spirit not to be deceived. But everybody up to the election is going to be deceived. That's incredible to think of that. I mean, we could have been among all the others that don't know. But we're not. And it's by God's grace that, that, that we're where we're at. Like Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. It, it wasn't any choice of his, you know. To suffer all that he suffered. And like Paul says, we haven't suffered unto the loss of blood. <laughs> Michael might be suffering in the loss of blood. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You know, such persecution has not been our experience so far. So far. We don't know what God is going to do. Um, okay, I'll say, I'll say this and maybe I should... Get, get ready to close whenever you want me to. But I was converted 39 years ago by reading the Bible one time. I found a church in the Yellow Pages called New Creation Fellowship. I chose that one because I knew I was a new creature in Christ and I wanted to be baptized. I thought of Peter after the conversion of Cornelius's house and, and Cornelius. Peter said, who would forbid these to be baptized? And then he commanded them to be water baptized. Commanded them to be baptized. So I knew that that was the first thing. Um, now, perseverance, it says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, 
and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Not that we should in a sense of obligation or will if we want to. No, it's not about us. It's about what God is going to do in his elect. You shall, meaning you are absolutely going to, after he makes us willing in the day of his power. That, that's Psalm 110, verse 3. Thy servant will be willing. Otherwise, we're not willing. The beautiful thing. You remember the parable of the wedding feast? The people that were first invited, it's a picture of the Jews. They were to the Jew first and then to the Greek. But the Jews were invited to come to Christ, or to come to the wedding feast. And they all made excuse. They all had reasons why they couldn't come. And remember? One man bought land and he had to, he bought oxen and he, had to, he just got married or whatever. They all had excuses. But then he sent the servants out to, to just anywhere. The good and the bad alike. The highways, the hedges, anywhere. And the word says, and compel them to come. <clears throat> that word compel means to take hold of them and bring them to the wedding feast. They weren't asked if they want to come. Just love it. <laughs> because that's what the Holy Spirit did with us. He compelled us to come to the wedding feast. And here we are. <laughs> do you see this? I hope you do. I really hope you do. Because it's not of us. It's not anything we would do willingly. We, we'd make excuses just like they did. You see that? We would naturally make an excuse. But those that were compelled, that's it, you're gone. Because the householder wanted bodies at the wedding feast. He wanted to fill that wedding feast, and that's it. And that's what God does with us. He translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Isn't that beautiful? Praise the Lord. So blessed is the man. Here's another verse that really comforts me. Blessed is the man that thou causes and chooses to come unto thee. There is somebody out there, the brethren, we, who have been called, we've been chosen and caused to come to God through Christ. You see that? To come unto thee. The same meaning because God is the effectual force, not the decision of man. This is not about man. It's, it, it, and it's, that is taught so clearly in Romans 9 with Jacob and Esau. It says, before the children were born, before they had done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. That is, God loved one and hated the other, and, and the Arminian will have every kind of reason why God hated Esau. All kinds of sin that Esau did. Didn't Jacob do some sinning himself? Wasn't he just as deserving of hatred as Esau? He was. He was a conniver, okay? And it was only after God crippled him, when he, when he humbled him, made him a cripple, touched his thigh that night he was wrestling with the Lord, it was after that that he could walk in faith and just humble obedience. Otherwise, he'd stay his conniving way, you see? And that's how we are. That when you read those characters in the Old Testament, that's us. Because human nature is human nature. And unless God stops us in our tracks, we will continue doing whatever we do, whatever this body tells us to do. That's how we lived in the past. Hopefully we're not living that way now. Okay? So, 
in Ephesians 1.4, that they should be holy and blameless before him in love. And of course, the first part of that is we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. If God chose his elect before the world was made, where were we in a choice about that? Isn't that a sensible question to ask? And the only answer is, you weren't there. You, you were in God's mind, but as far as you exercising a will in the matter, it, it, it's out of the question. And that's why when the scripture says we are born not of the will of man or of God, I mean the will of the flesh, but of God, it's not about us. And, and in Romans 9 it says, therefore it is not of him that wills or strives. It's nothing you can do to get into the kingdom of God. Either God puts you in it or you're out of it. Did you really believe this? <laughs> I, we have to believe this and to be able to speak it. See, once you believe something, if you really believe that, it, that Barnum and Bailey Circus was going to come down this street, you know, at a certain time, everybody would be out there to watch the animals. It, 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 you know, you'd go out and you'd be telling your neighbor about it. You'd be talking about it. You see? And that's what, what we do. We talk about something that people are not at all interested in or and this is what we do we are living spirits preaching a living word to dead spirits pretty much most of the time outside of the body of Christ the, the world is dead and and people say well how do you talk to them you don't talk with them you talk at them <laughs> okay the gospel is a proclamation of what God has done in the person and work of his son Jesus Christ it's about what God has done, not about what you should be doing or what you could or if, if you had the strength to will to do. It's not about you. The gospel is about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit who applies that salvation to the objects of God's love. Praise the Lord. This is beautiful. And you can, you can know rather quickly whether you should pursue because we're not to give our bread to dogs and our pearls to swine. Okay? And you, you'll see very quickly whether someone is playing you and, and trying to waste your time and wear you out, or whether they, the hearing is mixed, mixed with faith, right? And if, they're, if they don't, if they're not given the gift of faith, then they're not going to be the, the gift of hearing, because the ears have to be open. The heart has to be open. The work of God has to be evident in them, and when they hear us, they rejoice. They love to hear what they already know and bear witness to in the book. This is what's beautiful about coming into this fellowship. I've heard you on the internet. I've listened to the words. And I've seen, I told Larry the other day, I get friend requests on Facebook. Okay? And somebody in India wants to be my friend. I don't know. I don't know the language. I have no idea who these people are. So I go, I hit the picture, and I look and see their Facebook page. And I look to see who their friends are. Their friend is Larry and Michael and Scott Price <laughs> and some other, other people, too, the people I'm listening to online. So I say, yeah, I'll be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> any, any friend of, uh, you know. People like that. People like that, yeah. I, I'll be, I'll be your friend. Way. This is beautiful. Um, okay, so, so yeah, that, that Ephesians 4, were chosen in Christ, that they should be holy and blameless before him in love. 
again, not that these elect ones chosen in Christ should strive to be holy and blameless of, of ourselves, because we never can be. Yet God requires perfection in anyone to be saved. But that they are declared, they are declared to be perfect by reason of the imputed righteousness of Christ. And we are before him in love by that love that is shed abroad from our hearts by the Holy Spirit that is given to us. Left alone, we would never love him. But now we love him because he first loved us, having revealed himself to us and enabling us to love him in return. That is so beautiful. So we see there the connection of the preservation of God for his people. And we see the perseverance of the one who has received his preservation. The one that has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to seal us unto the day of redemption. It's just wonderful. And you know, when I first saw that word in the Bible about being sealed, I thought of the old Kerr, the Kerr canning jars with the wire handle. You, you put the product in the jar and you got a rubber gasket. You, you put the top on it, you pull that handle, you've seen this, right? You pull that handle down and there's something that's never going to get in that jar. Never. Air. Air is never going to get in there. That's why the, 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 the fruit is preserved. When we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, there's something never going to happen to us. Never. Romans 8.1 Now therefore there is no condemnation to them that be in Christ who no longer walk after the flesh but after the Spirit. See, a lot of people will leave off that last part that they would claim to be in Christ by their own faith and decision. But the idea of walking in the Spirit and not by the flesh that's something that they're quite ignorant about. They're not aware of what God gives us in his word, about how we can live daily, how we can walk before him. You see, that is wonderful. Um, okay, here's, here's one. In Jeremiah 32, 40, I will make an everlasting covenant with them, speaking of the elect, that I will not turn away from them to do... Oh, I already read that. Okay. Depart from them. Um, okay. Oh, with loving kindness. Oh, I love this one too. Jeremiah 31 3. With loving kindness I have drawn thee. Now, he loved his own with an everlasting love. Everlasting means from eternity past to eternity future. It's always and ever. Everlasting love. I have drawn thee with everlasting kindness. Now, when I saw that word drawn, what do you connect that with? When Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws or brings. So, so God, this verse right here is telling me God is going to bring me to himself through Jesus Christ. So first you have to come to Christ because he's the one that shows you the Father. It's, it's, Jesus said that. He said, no one knows the Son but the Father. And no one knows the Father but the Son and to whom the Son reveals him. You see... Jesus reveals God to us. We see Christ, we see the Father in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says. That is so beautiful. We don't have to go beyond Jesus looking for some greater power up there. You know, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. But then in another place, he said, my Father is greater than I. Now, it, people will have a problem with that. But as a human, in his mediatorial role, he said, 
the Father is greater than I. Because he was subservient to the Son, uh, to the Father, obedient in all of his commands. But in his deity, he is equal to the Father. In fact, even in Isaiah 9, 6, it says his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father. See, this puts Jesus in the Trinity. And in the Holy Spirit as well. The three being one. Each being a person, but all being of one accord with one another. That's what the scripture teaches. When Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. Was it Peter that said, you've not lied to man, but you've lied to God? Again, we see the Holy Spirit being God. And it, what's impressed me lately is to be so thankful to the Holy Spirit and to actually pray, thanking him for what he did in revealing spiritual truth to us. Because that's, that's his power. And the power that he gives us is himself. And that power of the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. It says, he that has not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. This is beautiful. I mean, it's mysterious, but like in Timothy, it says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. This is Jesus. He was preached on into the earth and received up into glory in that passage. I'm about to be corrected here. I'm gonna, I can see it. I'm like, <laughs> he's gonna say something. We'll see if I can finish this before. Okay. We'll give Mike. Yeah, yeah. Mike this time. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. The preservation of the saints in the Arminian system is conditional security. That believers are kept safe by God in their saving relationship with Him upon the condition of a persevering faith in Christ. That's why the Arminian has no assurance. He, he can't know from one day to the next if he's going to have faith that will <laughs> carry him on. Because in his mind, he decided the day he received Christ. And if he received him by his own will, he could just as well dismiss him by his own will. This is no salvation whatsoever. Not according to the Bible. And people say they're Christians. No, they're not. And as soon as they open their mouth, they're going to testify of either truth or lie. And we need to be praying that God will show us so that their error will be shown us in such thankfulness we have to the Lord for what he's doing in us. The Holy Spirit doesn't exalt Christ. I mean, I'm sorry. He doesn't exalt himself. He exalts Christ. And the Holy Spirit takes all that is of Christ and reveals it unto us. The whole book is about Christ. The whole book. Jesus said all the prophets and, 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 the, and the Moses and the prophets all testified of me. It's all about Jesus. And that is so beautiful. And we would never know it, never even care to know it, had not the Holy Spirit revealed it to us. Praise the Lord. Okay, I, I've done enough time, right? <laughs> Have I? Tell me. We're, we're good. Okay. It's, it's all good. Uh, yeah, I, I pray God you're... Okay. He says, I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. Do what? Preserve you. Okay. I'm, I'm warmed by 1 Peter 1.5, speaking of the elect, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto the day and re to be revealed at the last time. Um... Let's see. 
in 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. And I, look, I looked up in the, in the concordance for the words preserve and persevere. They're used many times, and the idea is expressed in many, many verses. Yeah. It, it says in Psalm 37.28, the Lord loves his saints and preserves them forever. Okay. Then look to the Lord to do that. And do you have a witness within yourself that you're a saint? Because if you're not, you, you ain't. <laughs> and it, it's it's God's free gift. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. So people say, well, I could refuse the gift. Could Saul of Tarsus refuse the gift? No. He could. He said, Lord, what would you have me do? <coughs> Immediately, when Christ said, I am the Lord, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. In other words, whatever... Paul was doing to the church, he was doing it to Jesus. And Paul immediately, it's hard to explain the the change that overcame him in such a short time for the zealous behavior that he expressed before that, you know, to, to just make that shift, that instantaneous. But in my mind, he did it because of the extraordinary experience that he had on that Damascus road. Well, me and Larry were just talking about this uh, episode not too long ago, and how whenever he said, you know, why persecute thou me? And he said, who art thou? Yeah. And yeah. he said, you know, it's Jesus. And you know, he told me he was kicking the Yes, yes. Anyway, as soon as he said that it was Jesus, he said, well, what would you have me to do? Isn't Lord. that something? Yeah. yeah. He called him Lord immediately. Wow, wow. And that's only by revelation. Yeah, spiritual yeah, revelation. Yeah. But I love the next sentence. Mm. Get up and it will be told thee what thou must do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not that I have a wonderful plan for your life, so seek it out and exactly. step on the right path to get there. Sure. Yeah, it says in Psalm thirty one, twenty three, Oh love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord <laughs> preserves he preserves the faithful. The Lord preserves the souls of his saints. Psalm 41.2, the Lord will keep him and preserve him. uh, Psalm 121, uh, see, keep, or preserve is used five times in eight verses of of the psalm. So there's many, many verses of that. Um, Psalm 32.7, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about. I think of, are not the angels ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation? Um, This is a wonderful thing. Um, uh, Psalm 40, verse 11. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. We see David in all these verses in the Psalms is not confident in anything in himself that would enable him to plow on to the finish line. Rather, he's looking in faith to him who will carry him through to glory. I think of the shepherd Jesus after finding the lost sheep who places him on his shoulder and carries him home. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus doesn't even trust that sheep to set him down on the ground because he knows what he's going to do. Isn't that beautiful? Praise the Lord.
Yeah. 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 So Christ ensures. And after the 99 are in the sheepfold, <clears throat> he, he goes out and finds the lost sheep. The sheep isn't looking for him, but he's looking for that sheep. He knows his own, and when he calls them by name, they recognize the voice of the shepherd. Praise the Lord. Is that something else? And the voice of a stranger they don't hear and they don't follow. Now, we hear all kinds of voices in the Christian community. All kinds of voices. And, you know, as we grow in the knowledge, the grace and the knowledge of our Lord through his word, we can listen to those voices and we can extract any good that's there. Remember when the serpent, Satan, tempted Eve in the garden? He told her one truth and one lie and he caught her. The, the truth was, you'll be wise like God. The lie was, you'll surely not die. And Satan is, is forever lying but saying some truth to capture us. And so when we, when we listen to these preachers, there's times when we can learn a lot. But there's, there's other things they'll say that are in error. And we have to be able to judge that. We, otherwise, we're going to be caught. Now, we won't lose our salvation over it, but we will be confused, we'll be messed up, and, and it'll affect our life, even our health, possibly. You see, this is a serious matter. We have to stay in the scriptures, praise the Lord. And if we lack wisdom, and there's many times when we have questions, we don't have to run to the library or get this or get that book. And, you know, What does it say? Go to God and ask. You see? For he upbraideth not. He doesn't chew us out for not knowing. He expects us not to know. But he expects us to come to him for the answer. Praise the Lord. That's what's beautiful. That's what we And when God sends forth his preachers, that's why the churches must have a multiplicity of elders. It can't be a one-man show. Because that church can only grow to the, the level of the understanding of that one leader and teacher. With a multiplicity of elders, you have a spiritual balance, a check and a balance. You've got one playing off another, You've got correction offered by one that the congregation couldn't give, perhaps. You, you see, that's what you need to pray for, for any church. To have elders where where you hear different sides. Different sides. There's always a different side to God's word. A different perspective. Like we could argue forever. When does justification occur? <laughs> you know? Well, there's three, three ways. One is... In the decree, when God chose to save a people, he justified them. Remember, Christ is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This was God's plan, to have Jesus be the sacrifice for the sins of the elect. So God justified them in his decree. The second time is when Christ rose from the dead. We're told in Revelation 4.25, he was raised for our justification. The hour there is the elect. It's not everybody. So when Christ rose from the dead, the Father accepted the sacrifice and the payment for the sin of the elect, and they were justified. They were declared wholly perfect. And that was the reward that Christ got for living his life of perfect obedience and the sacrifice of his death on the cross. 
So we were justified at the cross. That's, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is when we were quickened by the Holy Spirit. Justification was applied to us. We were aware of what Christ had already justified us in. You remember the verse that says, He reconciled the world unto himself? Remember that verse? Well, again, that word world isn't everybody. It's the elect. It's God's people. Those are the ones that are justified. I mean, reconciled. Meaning God has peace with them through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, okay, so they were reconciled to God by the work of Christ. And then when the Holy Spirit applies it to us, we then see what Christ did for us. And it's ours. It's our justification. So in a sense, we're justified, as we believe, by faith to receive that. So, you know, people want to settle on one place when we're justified and no other place. You, you have to have a balance in the scriptures. You, you've got to be able to put scriptures together to just understand the truth. I, I, for myself, that's the way I have to be. I, I, if somebody says something to me, I, I think of another verse that may, may be in conflict with that, and, and I'll, I'll bring it up. And, and I, I love the fellowship with those who know the word. This, this, is, this is fantastic. It's, it's of great value to me. It, you may gather that when I speak to the homeless people, it's usually I'm trying to deliver them from false religion. And a lot of them have inherited it. They've come out of religious experiences, different churches, and, and uh, especially in the black community. The pastors there really merchandise the people. They really do. In Compton, there's a church on, on every block, and particularly on street corners. <laughs> they love corners. <laughs> Somehow they can capture the attention of everyone. And they love having their Sunday service with the door open, you know, with a choir singing. I mean, it's very appealing, very attractive. But what is going on in those churches? You know, it's it's, it's business. It's usually politics and real estate, and, and it's, it's money. It's, it's money. Sometimes two and three collections in a, in a service. I, I went to some of these churches just to see what's going on. You know, that they'll have a girl sing a song and, and be dressed, you know, scantily or whatever, appealing to the men, and then after she performs, then they pass the collection plate. You're paying for your entertainment. You know, yeah, I mean, you can see it for what it is, you know. But a lot of the people, they're they're loyal to what they inherited from their parents. What's good enough for mom and dad is good enough for me. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. And I'll tell you something. When you can break with your family over our Christianity, when you can... Set them aside the way Jesus would have done with his mother, saying, these are my mother, my brother, and my sister. These who hear the word of God and do it. He showed there that his mother of the flesh would not necessarily be his mother in the spirit, nor his brethren, who were in denial of him while he was alive. When we can break with our family over that, we can deal with anybody. <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's something I found in myself. When you can settle the issue of the family, leave them alone, and go about the Lord's business, you, you can deal with anybody. Nobody will hold your heartstrings as much as your family in the flesh. And if you can cut that off, 
Praise the Lord. Is that, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. And I'm not saying you hate them, though. You just love Christ more. It's just beautiful. Well, brother, I want to thank you so much for coming to us. Well, I, I thank you so much for the and freedom. It was a, a wonderful, wonderful dissertation of grace. Yeah, okay, unconditional well. grace, unconditional love of God. Thank you. And we thank you so much for sharing from your heart. And uh, we hope that maybe next year you can come back. Well, you know, Lord willing, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, Brother Mark Kennedy, yeah, uh, it's quite a story. He's discipled Mark for about twelve years, <laughs> yeah. and he found Mark in this in this CD hotel. Yeah, it was called Grace Hotel, and Mark Kennedy said he called it Disgrace Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it was a drug drug house, and uh, and. Mark Kennedy uh, was disciple Kevin DeSilva, mm-hmm. and the good Lord worked in Mark's heart. And Mark is now, um, and Mark told me, he says, "I'm going to be there next year because I've got major dental challenges right now, finances." But so, but he told me, he says, "You know what? Of all the people in my life, he had a horrendous coming up." Mark did. Uh, and Mark, I'm sharing this with, I hope this is okay, but Mark said I've had a wonderful relationship in Kevin discipling me around the Word of God. And so that's what it's all about. Um, let's just dismiss in prayer and ask for God's blessing on, on the food for us. Father, we thank you so much for this time of fellowship and around your word and there's many things that we don't understand but we do understand that you're over all things and particularly in our salvation and father we thank you now and pray that you would bless us through our bodies we pray that your presence would be with us in this fellowship and we pray that you would give us safe return home and we also pray specifically for michael and his situation with this arm. We pray that you would touch the doctor this Thursday as he performs the surgery and that things would go uh, in a way that would be uh, we pray everything according to your will obviously. We ask all these things in the blessed name of Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you brother. Thank you. Thank you. So, so when Michael speaks this afternoon he can correct me. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.